Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Under Nothing podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, Under Nothing. Now today is going to be a fun episode. I'm going to rant. I'm going to rave. I'm going to be excited because it is still March Madness, and things are starting to look up for yours truly, and that is awesome. I'm so excited. I will definitely get into a lot of that. But there is an announcement I need to make that has nothing to do with basketball. And there's no other better way to really get this going than let this run out. Why so much celebratory Notre Dame marching band music? I'll tell you why. Notre Dame won a national championship, guys. There's something to celebrate. And fencing. We did it, guys. Fencing national champions for the 11th time. Which ties the most championships for any program at the University of Notre Dame. With the program that inspired my Notre Dame fandom, this podcast, and everything else. Notre Dame football. We have 11. Fencing's catching up, guys. Fencing fencing is right there. But we do celebrate all things Irish. And if they're going to win a national championship, by golly, I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to play Notre Dame Victory March. And we're going to have fun. Because championships of any kind are happily accepted on the five foot nothing, a hundred nothing podcast. So yeah, we we got a championship to talk about. And that, that's all I know. I know we won. I don't really follow fencing. It's very confusing. <clears throat> My dad, who went to Notre Dame, actually had to score fencing one time. And just him trying to describe the point system and how it all works was confusing enough to know that I don't need to know more about fencing other than did we win or did we lose. And we won a national championship. So cheers to that, guys. And other than that, I want to talk about some basketball. Yeah, Notre Dame spring ball has started up. And I, I will talk about that more. There's things to talk about. Supposed quarterback battles. Uh, Xavier Watts showing out so far. Um we, I will get into all that, believe me. But right now, I everybody all over Twitter, in our Notre Dame group chats, we're all talking March Madness, the NCAA tournament, for the most part. And I said, I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to be a March Madness podcast for a couple weeks. So we're going to keep that train rolling. Now. Last time I talked to you guys, I I made some 
predictions. Some were true, some were not, and some kind of worked out because I was wrong. It's crazy how things work, right? So I'm going to actually start with how my picks were absolute garbage to begin with, and now I could win this whole thing in uh, a couple pulls. But the the big money one, the best I can do is second, unfortunately, because I did start off so terribly. But I picked 16 of the first 32 right. I was so far off. I told you. I missed almost every 7, 10, 8, 9 matchup. I missed every upset. I had nothing going my direction whatsoever. Well, that shit has turned to gold because – I got three of the final four. I got Baylor, I got Houston, I got Gonzaga. Uh, that was that was unexpected. You know, I'm still losing to an 11 year old. That's worth noting. My daughter is still beating me because she was beating me going into the weekend, and she happened to have Baylor, Houston, Gonzaga. She also had Alabama. I had Michigan. We didn't get that far, and I'll talk about Michigan here in a second. Stick around. We hate Michigan. <laughs> but uh, th- now I can beat my daughter though because she's got Houston beating Baylor and then Gonzaga winning the whole thing. I've got Baylor beating Houston and beating Baylor beating Gonzaga. So the Baylor Houston game is going to make or break our family bracket and decide who gets to pick dinner. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm going to get into a lot of that, so when I start going, you know what to do. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Now, real quick, I I need to go back again. Just I'm going to bounce all over the place. That's how my mind works. I apologize. I say it every time. Uh, I said that Oregon stopped Luca Garza. I, I kind of was talking too fast, my brain working too fast. I'll spin that into a positive for me, misspeaking entirely. They did not stop Luka Garza. They did stop Iowa. They won pretty handily. Luka Garza got his. And my implication that Oregon would beat USC was that Oregon could stop USC even if the Mobley brothers get theirs. Well, I was completely wrong. USC ran him out of the gym, and I wasn't even close. So, shit happens. But – and – Maybe I'd root it against USC because, you know, fuck USC. But it's all good because Gonzaga took care of that. It was no longer no longer an issue. Get them out of my way. But I, I the, the shocker for me, uh, talking about Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight, 100%. It's never going to – I don't understand how Loyola – Looked so impressive and then just completely fell apart. It it didn't make any sense. Uh, I just statistically, a lot of things, and then they they were beating good teams and they looked good, and then they lose to Oregon State. I don't get it. It happened. You know, whatever. Uh, Houston Syracuse. I I called that one. Not that Houston's gotten a, an easy road. Um, I was I had them in the Final Four. I made it there. You know, thank my lucky stars because they did not look impressive 
in their first few games. And then they get Syracuse, who uh, Buddy Beheim was eventually not going to be whatever he was trying. He wasn't Steph Curry, okay? He was trying to be Steph Curry. That was eventually going to stop because he's Buddy Beheim. And that's exactly what happened. Houston ran him out of the gym. The, the Before yesterday, the biggest game or most exciting game was Arkansas versus Oral Roberts. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Oral Roberts was beating Arkansas at the half the first time they played during the regular season. And then Arkansas beat him pretty good in the second half. But not the case this time. Uh, Oral Roberts hung around and hung around and hung around to the point where Arkansas needed a last-second shot. And then Oral Roberts still got a good look to try to win the game, which I will never understand. And I'm I'm not a basketball coach, but I can't remember the time. I I think he had to put up the shot. But uh, so many occasions where you're down two or you're down one and you're trying to check up a three, you don't need a three. You know, extend the game. Uh, or take the easier, easiest basket. I, I'll never understand that. But you know, Arkansas hung on, beat Oral Roberts. It would have been nuts if uh, Oral Roberts made it to the lead eight as a as a fifteen. That'd have been crazy, and probably pretty fun, honestly. But and, and Baylor, too good. I, I still think uh, I'm pretty happy with my Baylor winning the whole thing pick, especially the way Houston's looked against better teams. They just happen to be gifted a, a Syracuse team that was not that good, uh, as it were. But Gonzaga does still look like the best team. I mean, let's let's not try to – I'm not trying to talk up Baylor just because I picked them. Gonzaga looks impressive. The, the game yesterday was over before it started. I mean, I – I was at work. I, I have a second job, but running around, uh, waiting tables, bartending, and we were busy last night. I look up, it was twenty-five to nine. I was like, "What the hell? Right, that, that game's over." When does Michigan, UCLA start? Which that game really rubbed me the wrong way, and I hate Michigan. Let's just get that out of the way. We don't like Michigan. Not on a Notre Dame podcast. We do not like Michigan. But I picked them. I did. So I'm gonna I had a root for Michigan. And that game I just I I didn't expect Michigan to look that bad against a UCLA team. Now UCLA was good. But Michigan definitely had their chances. But I'm sorry, you scored 49 points in a college basketball game? 49 points? Yeah, you're not going to win. You don't deserve to win. And it it was back and forth. It was an exciting game. It was fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. It was an awesome game to watch, edge of your seat, especially if you were in my position where you had picked Michigan to be in the Final Four. Now, I swear to God, if those, depending on which – I'm in. If those eight points or those four points end up screwing me out of money, I'm going to be upset. Why? Because of the end of the game. And I I know I've got some East Coast listeners that would have had to you know, pull an all-nighter to watch the end of the game because 
I know for y'all it started so damn late. It, it didn't finish till after a so it was midnight. Yeah, it was the next day. It finished today for uh, my East Coast friends and listeners. But in, uh, in the last minute or two minutes took uh, an eternity in a lifetime because that's what happens in college basketball when the game is close. There's stoppages, re- time resets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The only, the only thing this game didn't have, which I, I was going to lose my mind over the weekend and really throughout the tournament. And if you guys have been watching at least 10, 15 times, these kids, I know they're kids. I know it's college or they're not pros. But if another freaking player catches the ball on at the three-point line in the corner or kind of on the sideline and steps backwards out of bounds, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. How do you not know where the hell you are in the court? I've seen so many turnovers. They they drive to, you know, the elbow or kind of just drive in and kick it to the corner. And the dude's first move is step backwards. Sweep it. Turnover, change of possession. The f- what are you doing? How hard is it? My God. Uh, so that didn't happen in the Michigan-UCLA game. So I guess we'll give them credit for that because I'm over it. I'm over watching these idiots uh, throw away possessions by stepping out of bounds because they stepped backwards. Like It's almost like they intentionally do it. Very frustrating. But if you were blessed to watch the end of the Michigan-UCLA game, you might have some of the same questions I do. Whether you wanted Michigan to win or not. If you were watching objectively and just like how I tend to watch football outside of Notre Dame, I I try to provide a, a sense of objectivity and unbiasedness you just you go watch the game you know and you have opinions that are relevant and sensible and logical and reasonable that aren't rooted in i hate this team i like this team i kind of like this team i kind of hate this team you just watch the game and you're like you got questions regardless of the team and your fandom and all that kind of stuff right so i obviously had a vested interest in michigan winning for my points in my pool and such. But if you were watching the game from the lens of like, oh, okay, I don't really care who wins. I want to see basketball and I want to watch a basketball game. If you did that, you probably have some of the same questions I do as to what the hell was going on in the last 20 seconds of this basketball game. You might not get as excited as I'm about to get about it, but you might have the same questions. So if you did watch the game, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. If you didn't watch it, I'll do my best to describe what it was that I was watching that was very confusing. I didn't understand. I don't get it. So, back and forth game, back and forth game. And quite honestly, I mean, you're scoring 49 points. Like, I'm still going to get excited, but scoring 49 points is an absolute joke. I don't know what that's about, but it gives me confidence that you say he's probably going to run out of the gym by Gonzaga, so there's that. But, okay, so well, I'll just jump to the end of the game. It's low-scoring game. There's back-and-forthness. It's exciting. Cool. Michigan kind of had a lead at one point, gave it away, all that good stuff, right? 
At this point in the game, there's about 30 seconds to go. UCLA is winning 50 to 49. Now, UCLA has to put up a shot. They can't run the clock out, and it's obviously not in Michigan's best interest to just foul them. UCLA does put up a shot. It's a three-point attempt. So it was good defense by Michigan. Maybe that's why it was 51 to 49, because it was amazing defense. <laughs> not if you watch the game. But uh, UCLA puts up a three. They miss. Michigan grabs the rebound with like 23 seconds to go. First thing I say, call timeout. Get to half court, call timeout. They do. Good job. Go south from there. Hang on. They get to half court like 18 seconds. Call timeout. Now, I'm not a basketball coach. I know this. I'm five foot six. That's why basketball was never my thing. I'm not John Wooden. I'm not Phil Jackson. I'm not Greg Popovich. Not Roy Williams. Not Juwan Howard. I might have a little Bobby Knight in me. But point being is I am not a basketball coach, but I understand the game. And 18 seconds ago, you own the last shot. You are in control of when the ball will go up. And I'm sitting here going, okay, you want to put up your last shot. Maybe you hope you get a rebound and you can put it back. But you want to leave a little time on the clock. Should you make that basket? Because UCLA will get a possession to try to potentially win the game. You want to make it as hard as possible for them. So, what kind of play we, we, we draw up? You're only down one, mind you. And you got a seven-foot-one dude who supposedly can play basketball. Dickinson, Dickerson. I don't know. Seven-foot-one white dude. He's pretty good. I'm thinking you somehow get the ball inside. Because they had been doing that somewhat successfully. Maybe you get a foul. Maybe he makes the basket. But you design it to where that moment happens with like six or five seconds left in the game. So, what does Michigan do? They basically run in a giant circle. That's how I would describe it. They inbound the ball. Then they kick it around, kick it around, get it to kind of the, the wing. Then he comes to the top off of a pick, and chucks up a three with like eight seconds on the – or I think it was like nine seconds on the clock. And my first thought was, as he's pulling up, what the hell are you doing? There was way too much time on the clock to be putting up the shots. And you don't need a three. What are you doing? Perfect. He airballs it. What? Not only is a, that a terrible decision, you fucking airball it? What? But, hey, it's cool. Michigan caught the air ball. Yeah, catch, catch the air ball with like seven seconds to go. And I'm like, okay, dri- I don't even get the word dribble it out. I don't even get to say that before. He catches the ball, takes two steps, turns around, and throws up a prayer that doesn't hit anything either. That doesn't hit anything either. With seven, six seconds to go. So then UCLA gets the ball and you got a foul in the 6.3. Holy shit. What? That can't be the play call. That could not have been – not the air ball, obviously. I don't think you're playing on the air ball. Like, let's, let's be realistic. Hey, what we're going to do, guys, we're going to kick it in, swing it around, come to the top of the key, drop an air ball. You got that? 
Yeah, I don't think that was the play. But still, way too much time to be running that shit. So UCLA goes to the line. Now, Michigan still has a timeout. That's important. Michigan still has a timeout. 6.3 to go. UCLA goes to the line. Makes the first. I'm going, okay. This dude misses. Boop! Timeout. You still got like five and a half, six seconds to go, depending on how quickly it happens. And you can you got a chance to do something. What happens? He misses. Boop. Timeout. Okay. Now you got six seconds to go the length of the floor. Down two points. Six seconds is a long time. Especially if you are able to get one of your guards who can potentially run. It, like hit him in stride as he's inbounding the ball. You know, get get him on the run. And he can just go. And all I'm thinking is Tyus Edney. I'm dating myself by a lot with that statement. I think it was 1995. So I apologize to anyone who's in their 20s right now listening. Um, yeah, 1995, Tyus Edney runs the length before for UCLA. Now, granted, it was to win the game. I don't think I think it was in the final four. I don't think it was it might have been a championship. Like I that's funny. I remember the play. I remember Endy. I think he was number five. Uh it was the Ed O'Bannon uh UCLA team, but I don't remember what round of the tournament it was. It was a big deal. And I'm thinking of that, like, okay, that you could tie the game with that. And they didn't really inbound it to the guy in stride, but he took off. And he was even this he was even with the UCLA defender. They were like next to each other. And I'm like, dude, just take it to the rack. You're you might get fouled. It's you might make a layup. He probably doesn't want to foul. Like, you know, let's let's do something. What does he do? He tries to stop on a dime and chuck up a three with his whole momentum taking him. Oh my god. And he misses and the game's over and Michigan sucks ass and that's what I get for putting any fucking stock in Michigan. Having said all that, the fact that I got to the Elite Eight and almost to the Final Four did help me in my poll, which is why I'm in a position to win. But I don't understand any – please, somebody, if you know the answer to why those were the play calls, I'd love to hear it. If you understand basketball to the extent of you coached or know a coach or whatever – let me know, because I don't understand why you would chuck up a shot with eight seconds to go, get the rebound, and then not do something more than just turn around and throw it back up, uh, uh, not even under control. It was ridiculous. I was very frustrated. But the beauty of that is I get to talk shit about Michigan. So I guess, you know. There's some silver lining and everything, right? But now we've got our final four. We've got Gonzaga versus UCLA. I don't think that's going to be close. I don't think that's going to be pretty for UCLA. Credit to him coming as an 11 seed to go this far. That's that's impressive. That's fantastic. And you know, congratulations, UCLA is one of the blue bloods. I know we talk about Notre Dame as a blue blood in college football. UCLA is exactly that in college basketball. That's just, they are. I mean, Notre Dame bookended UCLA's 88-game win streak. Notre Dame beats 
UCLA, and this in the 70s, UCLA goes on an 88-game win streak, ended by Notre Dame. And uh, fun little tidbit note, my dad was on the side bench, like literally on the bench for that game. It was at Notre Dame. My dad was a senior manager for the basketball team. He still gets Christmas cards from Digger Phelps. But my dad was on the sidelines on the bench when that 88-game win streak was broken, which is pretty cool. But UCLA is that. Unfortunately, uh, Lou Alcindor, Bill Walton, the O'Bannon brothers, John Wooden, they're not walking through that door. And and Gonzaga, lowly Gonzaga, Gonzaga, out of Spokane, Washington, the inventor of short shorts, out of the West Coast Conference, that little old school is pretty damn good right now. They are a very good program. And they're, they're going to win. Like, I I don't bet on sports. I have enough stress as you can – well, I say I don't bet. I, I put money in the pool. I get it. But I have enough stress just watching the, the damn games without any additional uh, incentives or things to put on the line like betting on a game. But if I were to bet, I would consider betting Gonzaga. I don't, I don't see them losing. They're they're just they're too good right now. They're too good right now. They are just they're good. So I think the the better game, which I don't even know how good that game's gonna be, is Baylor versus Houston. Uh <clears throat> the Battle of Texas. And I liked Houston throughout the season. They've got some guys, but they have not impressed me in the tournament. Now Anything can happen. I mean, they can decide to show up against Baylor. But Baylor has looked really good. Baylor has been mostly in control of their first, what, four games? I'm trying to remember they played now. Four or five games. Uh, they've looked good. And I feel confident that my pick to for Baylor to go to the championship game is going to come through. And I'm sorry, Bryn. Your dad is going to beat you. And, all, and by the way, my final, the fact that my final four almost came through and I've got three of the four and I'm in a position <clears throat> to win a, win a pool and come in second in a pool tells me that it's not, you know, uh, what picks you get wrong, it's what picks you get right. And the right picks at the end, that's where it's at because I've been on the other end of that thing. I've been where I'm hanging out for dear life. I One year I got 31 out of 32. I had 14 of the sweet 16. I was unstoppable. And then I got two of the Elite Eight and one of the Final Four and none of the championship. And I lost. I didn't even make the money. They paid top five. I didn't even get the money because my – if I don't even remember what year it was. But I just remember the, the, the vagueness of it. But I, I picked a national champion that was somewhat of a long shot. And in my brain, I'm like, oh, if that comes through, nobody's going to have that. Well, guess what? It didn't happen. So is what it is. But this year, I was like, no, I'm going to – I'll pick all the craziness in the beginning, which I completely whiffed on. Good Lord. 
I looked like Serrano trying to hit a curveball <laughs> in the first two rounds. Couldn't hit shit. But, hey, my at the end, here I am. Uh, granted, I'm still in a position where I need it all to – I need Gonzaga to win. I need Baylor to win. I need Baylor to beat Gonzaga. And all of that has to happen. It can't just some of it happen. All of it has to happen. And then I win. So, but if if Houston, like I said, the Baylor Houston game is going to decide uh, if me or my daughter gets to pick dinner for the family. So, if you, hey, if you got any good dinner suggestions in Corpus Christi, Texas, send them my way. Because I will be making that selection, I'm sure of it. And I'll tell you what, if if all this shit happens and I finish the way I'm it looks like I would finish if all my picks come through. Next week's five foot nothing, hundred nothing podcast is going to be very celebratory. I might just drink during the show. <laughs> I mean, let's celebrate because I'll probably do it uh, the day after the national championship. Or it's going to be a very somber occasion because I all my picks went to shit. So yeah, we'll see. But we do got the final four set. I I, I like Baylor. I like Gonzaga. I'm not as confident in Baylor beating Gonzaga as I was when I made my picks. Because my thought process to get to Baylor over Gonzaga was, quite simply, Baylor being in the Big 12. You know, they had to play teams like Oklahoma State and Kansas, and Texas Tech, and Texas, which, by the way, what a fucking dumpster fire they turned into. And I, I say that kind of sarcastically because they're not that bad, but Shaka Smart's leaving Texas for Marquette? Holy smokes. That, that's, that's the pressure. Again, watch you for the changes. Try to keep up. That's the pressure Texas puts on their coaches and every fucking sport. Like, I, I realize he's 0-3 as their coach in, a, in the NCAA tournament. But, like, Big 12 is not a pushover conference. It's not like he's in the the Big East or even the SEC. The SEC is not very good uh, in overall in basketball, typically. Um, you know, Big 12 is not a pushover in basketball. And Shaka Smart's like, you know what? Screw this. It ain't worth it. I'm out. Look, I, I – I went from bald. I did the reverse of what coaches do. I lost, I grew my hair back. I didn't lose my hair. <laughs> but he went to Marquette. That was crazy. But Baylor being in the Big 12, I felt like that was going to be a big deal. When it all when it all dust settled. It was going to be like, okay, the West Coast Conference is going to prove to be inferior to the Big 12, and that's going to be the difference. But watching Gonzaga play, dude, I I don't know. I didn't watch him a ton this year. I didn't. And, you know, recency bias, I'm guilty. I saw them play BYU, and it, it caused me to be like, ooh, BYU's playing with Gonzaga. Okay. Like, they're going to beat the teams they should beat, but when it comes down to it, I think it's going to be a toss-up. And I honestly, the, the reason I didn't go Michigan over Gonzaga is Michigan was missing a dude. So... Like I, but now watching Gonzaga play and how dominant they've been, I'm I'm nervous. I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous. 
But, you know, I, I got to root for Baylor. I mean, I got a buddy that went to Baylor. So, you know, guess I can use that as motivation to for my buddy to get a national championship and me to win some money. You know, it's funny how in a week it went from, I need a miracle. I literally, for last week's notes, I put, I need a miracle. And then I went through, you know, Tina, my, my fiance, and then my boys and my daughter and who they had alive and their crazy upset picks that hit. And I was, I put, I need a miracle. And then for Tina, I'm like, great spot. She still got Gonzaga, Loyola, Bama. She had the USC Oregon matchup with Oregon winning. Like all these things that she had Arkansas. All these things were lining up, and I'm just like, man, she is in a great spot. Like this is this is gonna be awesome. If if her picks come through, which were very solid, like I I expected Oregon to win. I truly did. I expected Loyola to win. Uh I I thought I thought Alabama would have uh, – who did they lose to? I'm doing a blank now. Uh, UCLA. I thought they'd at least be UCLA. I, I didn't know if they'd beat Michigan or not. You know, as it turned out, uh, Michigan didn't even beat UCLA either, so whatever. But I really thought Tina was in a great spot, and then boom, a week later, I'm sitting here going, shit, I can win the whole damn thing because I just happened to have the right teams at the end. I only had four of the Elite Eight. They just happened to be – the four that could have made the final or just almost made the final four for me. Uh, but this is why it's madness. This is why March Madness is so great. God, it's exciting. And I get to yell about Michigan this year. That's that's kind of a just a little that's a little bonus. That's just an extra little bonus. It's fuck Michigan. And whatever play calling that is, that doesn't make any sense. And that's what I said earlier. I don't understand. You're down one or you're down two. Why are you chucking up threes? I need to know. Why is the three-point shot your best option? Like, it it seems to be the go-to. And it doesn't make – not everybody Steph Curry. Sorry, you're not a splash brother. How about you fucking play fundamental basketball, get inside and make a damn basket to tie the game when you're down two? Or if you're down one – any basket wins the game. How about you get the closest one possible? They call them high percentage shots. There's a reason they call them high percentage shots. They don't say, hey, shoot out your ass from half court. No. That's stupid. I swear to God, those four points or eight points cost me. I'm going to have a F Michigan segment next week. Anyway, but that's that's where we're at in the final four, guys. It's all set up. I got to rant. I got to rave. Talked about the game. If you know something I don't about why three-point shots are the go-to when you're down one or two points, I'd love to hear about it. So please find me on Twitter at five foot nothing pod. Shoot me an email. Say as many words as I do. I know I talk to myself for a long time. Now you can talk to me. Five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. Uh, if you do have Apple Podcasts, 
you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start doing this more often. <laughs> hit that purple icon. Hit me with a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Five stars. Um, and next week I'll wrap up the basketball. Uh, I'll do it pretty quickly. I mean, there's only two games that, or, sorry, three games. The two semifinal games and the championship to discuss. Um, unless something wild happens where I need to go on a uh, a rant, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it briefly. Then we can talk more Notre Dame spring football, which is really heating up. And I, I might even go into Notre Dame had their pro day today as well. There were some impressive uh, showings. Uh, Jeremiah Awusa Karamoa is a, an animal, a beast. He's ridiculous. Uh, he's he might move up the draft board just because of his pro day. My goodness, but I would definitely get more into that kind of stuff. But March Madness is too good to ignore and pass up and not talk about when you're a sports junkie like me. So I hope you enjoyed it. And until next week, I will. See y'all a little bit on Twitter. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the Final Four. Go Zags for one game. Go Baylor Bears for two games. See you next week. Five foot nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.